0: This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take, powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnooks on 101 ESPN.
2: 2 with Carrick and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk to our friend Bernie Federco. Head into the Blues booth as the Blues are closing in on training camp. And maybe baseball is closing in on spring training as well. Multiple reports yesterday, including actually a statement from the commissioner of baseball, uh, leading us to think positively about the possibility of a jointly developed framework that, according to Rob Manfred, we agree. could form the basis of an agreement and subject to conversations with our respective constituents. Manfred went on to say, I summarized that framework numerous times in the meeting and sent Tony a written summary today. Consistent with our conversations yesterday, I am encouraging the clubs to move forward and I trust that Tony is doing the same. Uh, Very soon after that note came out from uh, Rob Manfred, Uh, This tweet came from MLBPA Communications. Simply, reports of an agreement are false. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't have an agreement yet. And the Players Association is looking at what Manfred thinks is a framework for an agreement as simply a proposal. And they apparently are going to come back with a counterproposal. And right now, Michelle... As we've talked about, the big disagreement seems to be over the number of regular season games that will be played, 60 or 72. But we do know that we'll have a universal DH not only this year, but next year and probably forever more. Mm -hmm. We will have a 16-team playoff. It'll be like the NBA or like the NHL. And we will have expanded rosters. And there are some other aspects to this. By the way, the players would have to promise not to file a grievance. That is part of the framework as well because the owners wanted to save that billion dollars.
3: Which, you can't blame them for that. How, how funny is it randy though that these two parties finally got in the same place they're face to face they talk for four hours and they walk away and they still have such differing versions of where they are in this process that you can have Manfred and the owner side saying yeah we, you know we had this great conversation we believe a framework for a deal is ready to go and then the mlbba leaves that saying a deal has not been made
2: it's amazing it's, it's- the lack of communication i can't imagine that two people and two organizations could be on such different planes from uh, the, the standpoint of communication.
3: It's very telling. And while it does make me feel positive that they had that conversation, that they're continuing discussions, the fact that they walked away and they still are such on such opposite sides of the fence does give me pause for concern.
2: Now, if we do get, whether it's a 60 game or a 72 game season, It'll be exhilarating because it will be a sprint. If they get that eight teams in each league playoff, the 16 teams, you could make the argument that from a playoffs perspective... This would be the most difficult World Series to ever win. Having to win four rounds in the playoffs and we all know the tenuous nature of playoff baseball. Heck, the 80 or the 06 Cardinals won 83 games during the regular season and they turned it on during playoff time. Who thought that the 2011 team would do what they did in the postseason because so the postseason is as Bill Dewitt Jr. would say, it's a random situation and Having to win four series like that in such a random situation, to me, would make it, in the playoffs, the toughest World Series that anybody has ever won.
3: It's going to be incredibly difficult. It's going to be physically taxing. These guys are not—we continue to call it a sprint. These guys are not used to that. They're not conditioned to play such a, a congested season. Then to go on a playoff format like that is going to be incredibly difficult. I think a man, a good manager is going to come in handy now more than ever. And you also have to consider the mental aspects of this guys who are having to worry about not spitting or they can't do this, they can't do that there's no fans in the stands so in addition to the physical toll you got the mental toll to think about this is going to be an incredibly difficult World Series to win
2: and from a player perspective in a normal season you have 30 spring training games you have a month of spring training games and you have April and then by May is when pitchers normally round into form and you can start Right around Memorial Day is when you can start expecting your starters to give you seven innings every night in a reasonable season and with a good rotation like the Cardinals have. That's why I think the Cardinals' depth of starting pitching is going to play such a big role in a sprint like this because they have more guys that they can put out there and they have more guys to piggyback. I don't think that we're going to get to a point where you're getting seven innings out of starting pitchers Until the start of the playoffs, I I would think that those three months and you really won't have a spring training, but you'll have July, the part of July, August and September. So that'll probably be the start of pitchers really hitting their stride is October 1st.
3: I just hope that no one gets injured. Mm-hmm. You know, while you're while you're trying to get to that point, I hope everyone has been conditioning the way that you want them to. That's the thing I think you need to look out for too. All these guys have been, quote, doing their job. They've been staying conditioned and I know that we're going to have some time to get them a little bit ready, but it's not going to be physically what they're used to.
2: If you are, I want to talk about the DH too. If you're the Cardinals, if you're Mike Schilt, mm-hmm. are you playing Tommy Edmond at third and DHing Marp? Or are you going to use a guy like Ron Hel ravello as your DH and play Marp at third? Are you going to wait until you know what the pitching matchup is going to be? Are you going to face a lefty or a righty? How do you want... I guess guess my main question is, how do you want Marp to be deployed?
3: Interesting question. What do you think about Lane Thomas potentially as a DH?
2: I like him as a DH, but he might be as good a defensive outfielder as they have.
3: But will will they use him out there in that capacity?
2: If I had to choose, and I know that Tyler O'Neill is really good defensively. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to use a DH and I'm going to have Lane Thomas in my lineup, he's going to be playing in the outfield. Fowler might be DHing, or I think if I had O'Neill, Bader. Thomas and Fowler all playing in one day Fowler would be my DH.
3: Cuz that's I guess my question is we've been talking about musical chairs, third base, outfield. Are you more comfortable putting one of those outfield pieces as your DH as opposed to Matt Carpenter?
2: Not really. Because uh, here's my thing and uh, this is taking nothing away from what Dexter Fowler did last year. I don't think that he's in my lineup. So, I would rather have Edmund in my lineup than Dexter Fowler right now. I think the weak link defensively on this team is Carpenter. Mm -hmm. So, if I can put my best defensive team on the field and Carpenter is able to bounce back nominally to what he was two years ago, then I think my infield is Edmund and the other guys. My outfield probably has... I'm going to give O'Neill the first shot, but I've certainly got Dylan Carlson waiting in the wings. I want to have that defense from either Bader or Thomas. And then right field, I know they're going to start Dexter Fowler, but I don't think they should. I think you should have O'Neal, Bader, or Thomas and Dylan Carlson. That ultimately should be your outfield. And then you pick the best hitter among the group, and the guy with the best history is Mark.
3: Not the best recent history.
2: No, certainly not. And they really like (laughs) Mm Rovello. They kept Rovello from going overseas. They wanted him to be a member of their team because they saw the DH on the horizon. So don't be surprised if he winds up being the Cardinal DH, at least against left-handers.
3: You know that they're going to give Marp and Fowler those initial starting spots. Mm -hmm. I just wonder how long they're going to allow that to go on.
2: Well, Marp was having a great spring. Fowler was not. But think about this. A week is a tenth of your season. Six games is a tenth of your season. Twelve games is 20%. Per- you can't go more than a week and a half.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Those guys have to be ready to rock and roll right off the bat.
3: Kind of a scary thought.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. But from the Cardinals' standpoint, with what we saw from Carlson, if those guys... After spring training are ready to go, they'll be able to find somebody that's, that's good to go. And their pitchers, if indeed pitchers are ahead of hitters, they've got so many good pitchers. They can fill out a staff and a half of major leaguers that that should be their strong point, their strong suit.
3: I think the fact that we're having these conversations about varying options is a, a positive. Yeah, that, And I trust Mike Schilt, and I think that he's going to be able to find a combination that works, that clicks.
2: That is your fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you. Next up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and head into the Blues booth with the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federco, on 101 ESPN.
0: This is character and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth is brought to you by Boardwalk hardwood floors when it's time for new flooring in your home real wood provides the best long-term value boardwalk has great floors for every home visit our three area showrooms and online at boardwalkhardwood.com
2: Michelle Smallman, Randy Character with you on 101 ESPN. It is Character and Smallman, and we go as we do every Thursday to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and into the Blues booth, the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, joining us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Bernie. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks, Randy. All right. I I want to start with this. I want to start with uh, because of your uh, long history in the NHL. We've been complaining this morning about the commissioner of baseball, uh, Rob Manfred. Uh, You played in some times where they had some pretty sketchy leadership in the NHL. We all remember those of us that are of an age to remember the way that Scott Stevens (laughs) was taken away from the Blues. Gil Stein was the president of the league And, and Michelle asks: Is is he the worst uh, commissioner Manfred of all time? Uh, the NHL has some pretty good challengers there as far as the leadership of the league.
1: Yeah, you know it's so hard to know. I mean, when you're a player, I mean that goes back so long ago. Already that you know, when I was a player, and it, it kind of like we really didn't pay attention to who was running the league. I mean, uh, it was it was a lot different. I think the business aspect and everything else that goes on now compared to then uh, was a little bit different, and I and I still think that. No matter who the commissioner is, I think they're still controlled for the most part by the owners of all the teams in the league. So I, I even look at, uh, even now, I mean, people could look at, uh, uh, what the commissioners are saying in this, that I think they're still getting all their, uh, their control from, from the owners. Side. I think they're being told what to say by, Mostly, the the controlling owners in the league. So um, it's gotten just the way it is, the way it has been, and I think it'll always be that
2: way. And to to that point, Bernie, uh, we actually were saved here in St. Louis by the late owner of the Leafs, Harold Ballard, when the Blues wanted to move to Saskatoon. It was Saskatoon, right? Uh, and, yeah, it was uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, and Bill Hunter wanted to uh, to buy the team, and Harold Ballard said the St. Louis Blues are moving over my dead body. So ownership really benefited us back in those days.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the you know the guys still. I mean, I think all the owners still have votes. I mean, I think what we always see it. It's either has to be two thirds, or it has to you know unanimous. Depends on what it is. I mean, it's just a slight majority. I don't know how it all works, but I think that uh, I mean the league is still controlled. Uh, by the owners, and I uh, think everybody has a vote. Uh, the commissioner is kind of just uh, the guy that uh, passes the word on. So, um, you know, it's, it's never going to change. And I think that's probably the way it's supposed to be. I mean, uh, you, you, you get involved in a business, uh, you certainly want to have some say in it, and you still have to have someone that, that is going to give the word. So, I mean, uh, I think that too many times people get uh, a little sour at the commissioner, but he, for the most part, is just a messenger.
3: Bernie, speaking of owners, I was reading last night about the Buffalo Sabres and the shakeups there and just the continued mess that is happening in Buffalo. And Randy and I talked about it a little bit when we were doing the our our uh, retracking of the Blues parade and just the important pieces of the Blues Stanley Cup championship. And when I look at the mess in Buffalo, I'm so grateful for it because it allowed the Blues to get Ryan O'Reilly. And when you look at the construction of this team, how important is Ryan O'Reilly to the success of the Blues?
1: Well, Michelle, I think that was you know one of the huge factors. I mean, when you look at that with O'Reilly last year, I mean, just the new faces O'Reilly and, and of course, uh, what was that coming in? You see Pat Maroon uh, signing a contract with the Blues. I mean, and then of course the acquisition, or I guess I, I think the the uh, promotion of of Jordan Bennington. So I think when you look at the new faces on the Blues uh, team last year, I think that was uh, really, really the, the the big part, the big difference. But. I think when we all see the work ethic of Ryan O'Reilly, what he, the factors that he brought to, to this team, not only his leadership, but the way he plays, his work ethic, and, uh, I think those were the things. And, and of course, he had a great year, uh, won the Selkie, won the Cons Spice, so you can't say enough about Ryan O'Reilly. But those are the things, I mean, Ryan uh, has always been a good player, never, you know, it takes, uh, uh, the right combinations uh, to, to, to to make things work, and and I think maybe Ryan, which is that missing piece, that as soon as he fell into place here, uh, got his feet wet and really uh, you know planted himself here and started taking control of his team. Uh, uh, he was really a difference maker uh, through the second half of the year into the playoffs, and of course into the Stanley Cup Finals.
3: The situation Bernie also makes me feel so incredibly grateful that it's Tom Stillman that owns the Blues because success starts from the top and it filters down below. And we can't look at the Blues' success without pointing directly at Tom Stillman and the way he's invested in this team and put the right pieces in place. Absolutely,
1: I mean uh, Tom has, has done exactly what he said he was going to do. I mean, when he took over the ownership of this team, and I think every one of the investors with him, he, he mentioned that too. Is that uh, these are local guys, lo- local people that, that want to. Uh, see the success of the Salem Blues grow into a Stanley Cup uh, championship, and, and that's exactly what uh, you know Tom and his group has allowed Doug Armstrong to do. I mean, uh, I mean, Army has been unreal. I mean, you know, we go back to what three years ago when he got great Braden Shen. I uh, made a great deal, and then, of course, he makes another great deal for Ryan O'Reilly. Signs Bozak, signs Maroon. Um, these are the little things that. That have to happen from your general manager but your general manager has to have the support of the ownership group before he can can make these deals and it seems to me that every time that the doug is wanted to do something he's really got the okay from from tom and uh he's been able to make the moves that he's wanted to make and uh, consequently it's, it's 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 that leadership as you said that starts at the top it allows the organization to, to to uh be very successful and uh, right now uh they're at the top of their success hopefully they Uh, We'll play again, and hopefully we'll see another Stanley Cup by the end of this
2: uh, season. And Bernie, the Blues and every other team are going to have to get off to a fast start. This is kind of a a two-parter. You played on teams that got off to fast starts or slow starts. Is there a common denominator among those teams that do get off to a fast start? And does the Blues' chemistry, the fact that everybody knows each other, uh, work in their favor? Not that every team in the league, nobody's made a change, but the Blues have a chemistry, a championship chemistry, does that make a difference?
1: It certainly should, Randy. I think that's the the whole thing. I think what you that's a real good point that you bring up. The chemistry that they have right now and, and uh, the belief that they have. I mean, the system that they do, that they have does work. I mean, we've seen it their success, and it's been a a pretty simple system. Is that they all work together? They all check very well, and when you check well, it's very difficult to play against them. So uh, that should be really uh, a, a real quick success for them because, as you said, they're going to have to have uh, come right out of the shoot and be, be ready to play. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting. I mean, uh, to me, this is just like another season. I mean, when you sit out four months right now and come back, you know, you got a season that's only going to last, what a maximum of what, for the lose 31 games, for the three that they play uh, to start things up, that round robin, and then the possibility of playing only 28 more. So you've got 31 games to win a Stanley Cup instead of playing, what, 82, and then another 28. So you got a there's a big difference uh, so they're going to have to be ready. But um, when they look at each other and they look around the room, knowing that they've been successful before, they know that they have got a great system. I think it should really uh, give them an advantage. So they, as long as I, as I say all the time, you've got to stay healthy. You still have to get the brakes. You still have to have a lot of things happen for you. You have to have really good goal setting So uh, when you look back... Uh, uh, just, uh, you know, a year ago now, I mean, uh, they, the confidence that they have and the chemistry that has should, should certainly help
2: them. And one final thing, Bernie, and from a player's perspective, I don't know if you've thought about this. I, it just struck me earlier this week. August is normally the time where players are trickling into town and you, you start skating, and then early September you have the golf tournament, the Blues golf tournament, and then training camp gets underway. You're going to be playing playoff hockey in August. It's going to be really strange. Yeah,
1: it's going to be, and, and you're going to be playing in- – without fans, too, and fans running, too. So there's a lot of factors that are going to be involved. This is going to be a totally different thing for each and every one of the guys. So it's not, I mean, for management, for everybody, I mean, no one has experienced this before. So, uh, you know, this is kind of be one of those years, and I mean, everybody keeps asking about, is there going to be an asterisk beside the Stanley Cup champion and this and that? Well, you know what? I, I If there's an asterisk, it's only because it's different. It's not the fact that they haven't won. Uh, the 16 games they have to with the winner Stanley Cup, but uh, it is going to be different. I mean, uh, most teams are going to be right out the bat healthy, uh, well rested. Uh, what did the guys do over this uh, course of this uh, pandemic? Did they relax too much at home? Did they get themselves in good shape? I mean, some of the guys. I mean, most of the guys have not skated at all until they come back now, and you're only going to have three weeks of training camp or, what, four or five weeks now that they're able to, you know, skate now a couple of weeks before they start training camp. But uh, it's going to be totally different, and uh, I don't know what to expect, but uh, I know that competition is competition. When the guy across from you wants to beat you, you want to make sure that you beat him back. So it it still should be uh, really a fun atmosphere, and uh, and certainly it's going to be fun to watch on TV.
2: Hall of Famer Bernie Federico, thanks so much for the time. Have a great day. Thanks, Randy, Michelle. You guys have a great day, too. That is The Great One, Bernie Federico on 101 ESPN. Actually, The Great One is Wayne Gretzky, but Bernie Federico is a better passer.
3: (laughs) So instead of The Great One, we need to call him The Great. We need to have a moniker for, well, Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, The Great Hall of Famer. The Great Hall of Famer. There you go. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, we've got The Fight for you on 101 ESPN.
0: Think you can beat down character We sure hope you can. The Fight with character Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Small.
3: Here on 101 ESPN 832, which means it's time for the fight. Colin, what are we fighting for today?
4: We are fighting for a gift card to Sports and Social, St. Louis's newest sports bar and gaming parlor located in Ballpark Village. Open now, they have a Tex-Mex theme menu, plenty of games, ample outdoor seating with a great outdoor bar and patio overlooking the new plaza and much more. And I know the Fast Lane really enjoyed their time out there yesterday.
3: I was there on Tuesday. Can confirm, Sports and Social is a great time. So Brian. Our fighter today is definitely gonna to wanna to win this prize. Good morning, Brian. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Michelle?
3: I'm doing well as well. Are you ready to go?
1: I'm about as ready as I'll ever be.
3: You know what? That is the only answer because and I have to tell you this not to make you nervous, but Randy seems to be on his game today. Not that he's ever off of this game, but he seems to be a little loose today. So Thanks
1: probably. He's probably pounding the propel too.
3: <laughs> That's right. Great propel. See, I know you're a, you're a true blue listener if you know about the propel. All right, Brian. Question number one. Happy 81st birthday to the great Lou Brock. How many World Series did Brock win in his 19-year career? Is it two, three, or four? I think it
4: was three. Question number two, Patrick Ewing, now the Georgetown basketball head coach, is one of the greatest players in Knicks history, but he didn't finish his career in New York. Which team did Ewing end his career with? Was it the New Jersey Nets, the Orlando Magic, or the Toronto Raptors? Oh, man. I think it might have been Orlando.
3: Question number three, Brian, on this day in 2000, Tiger Woods won his first career U.S. Open with the largest margin of victory in the history of majors. How many strokes did Tiger win by? Was it 15, 20, or 22?
4: 15. And question number four, where did former XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck play quarterback in the NFL? Was it with the Baltimore Colts, the L.A. Raiders, or the Houston Oilers?
1: I might have been back in the Oilers, I think.
3: All right, Brian. Colin is going to get Ryan. Brian, how do you spell your name? With a Y or an I? With an I. With an I. Okay, I got it right. Whenever I write down the contestants' names, I always wonder if I spell them correctly, so I'm glad I spelled it right today. All right, Randy is walking in, and Brian, as you suspected, he does have the great great propel in hand, (laughs) so he is ready to go. Randy, say good morning to Brian.
2: Brian, good morning. How are you? Doing well, Randy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing today. Okay.
3: You knew you would have the propel, so. Oh,
2: yeah. It's my PED. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is my Andro. It's you... legal. It's a legal. Oh, performance okay. I was going to
3: say, did we just reveal that somebody needs to get tested? No, it's,
2: it's not an illegal. There, there are illegal performance enhancers, and that's fine.
3: You know what, Randy? If it was illegal, you wouldn't have it right out here on the set. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If it was illegal. you <laughs> would have it right there in his locker okay anyway randy happy 81st birthday to the great lou brock how many world series did brock win in his 19 year career
2: he won with the cardinals in 64 and 67 and then played and lost in 68 and he was with the cubs before he was with the cardinals so we know that he didn't win any there right right so
4: i'm gonna say 64 and 67 he only won those two Question number two, Randy. Patrick Ewing is one of the greatest players in Knicks history, but he didn't finish his career in New York. Which team did Ewing end his career with?
2: I believe he ended his career and then became an assistant coach for the Orlando Magic under Stan Van Gundy.
3: On this day in 2000, Tiger Woods won his first career U.S. Open with the largest margin of victory in the history of majors. How many strokes did Tiger win by?
2: Won by 15. Isn't that incredible? Think about one golfer being 15 strokes better over four days than everybody else. It's insane. It's ridiculous. He was so good. On the biggest stage.
4: Yeah. Incredible. Question number four, Randy. Where did former XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck play quarterback in the NFL? Ah, We travel up and down the field. We're always in control.
2: (laughs) When you say Houston Oilers, you're talking Super Bowl. He was a backup with the uh, Houston Oilers. Love you, Blue.
3: We've got a winner. Go crazy,
0: folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker.
3: Really close fight today. Sorry, Brian. He edged you out. Randy beat you 4-3. to Close fight. Um, Lou Brock won two World Series in his 19-year career, as Randy mentioned, 1964 and 1967. Patrick Ewing ended his career with the Orlando Magic. Tiger Woods won that U.S. Open by 15 strokes. That tournament was held at Pebble Beach. And uh, former XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck did play quarterback for the Houston Oilers in the NFL. Brian, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing.
2: Uh, Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Brian. and you can participate in the fight. All you have to do is text the word fight to 65780 between the start of the show every day at seven o'clock and, but between seven and eight and freeze pops. If uh, you are randomly chosen, we'll get in touch with you and you can participate in the fight. Once again, our air comfort service text line, 65780. We would love to hear from you and. Pebble Beach, Tiger One, there. That is like my bucket list golf course. I'd love to play Pebble Beach. I'd have to bring a lot of golf balls with me, but I think it'd be so much fun to get out there and play.
3: um It's probably incredibly beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. It is. You'd have to bring a lot of cash too, Randy. I know. It's expensive. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting anybody. I know. A, 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 well, it's, you can, anybody can get on. It's a public deal. Uh, but Tony had connections, and I still believe has connections. Tony Larusa, because he lives in Oakland and knows everybody in the Bay Area, so he he could help out getting on out there. So what we need to do is at some point when we're back to hockey, uh, I need to follow the Blues out to San Jose. Dang. We we as a show need to follow the Blues out to San Jose. I'm not I'm not going to be selfish here. We need to go and play Pebble Beach.
3: I would go with you, Randy. I would embarrass myself okay. on that course.
2: I guarantee you that there's been somebody that has been a worse golfer than you that's played worse than you would play that day on Pebble Beach. Guaranteed. You think so? Yes.
3: I don't know. I think you would Tiger Woods well, me. You'd probably beat me by 15.
2: <laughs> but it's it's a... Because it's such an iconic place, people want to go out there just for the walk. Mm-hmm. And they they, prob- they probably have played their Muni course three times and they say, oh, I can play Pebble Beach. But then they go out there and they aren't that great, so don't worry about it. And by the way, Michelle has a big golf tournament coming up this weekend.
3: The Smallman Open. This is our, it's, it's a little known fifth major, Randy, and mm-hmm. it's a Father's Day golf tournament with my family. You're looking at a three time champion, but not because of me, because of my dad. <laughs> he's my partner and he's a very good golfer. But a lot at stake this year, a lot at stake. Bragging rights. We have a huge trophy that comes really? with it. Oh, yeah. What's the
4: trophy look like?
3: Um, It's a big gold trophy. It's got a plaque on the bottom. This is a Smallman Open champion. It's got a golfer at the top. Yeah, it's no joke. And it's been sitting on my dad's mantle for quite some time. I'm
2: kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. (laughs) That's pretty awesome.
3: Yes, it is. But it's one of those things, just like Tiger Woods, when you have that taste of success, the pressure gets a lot higher. Yes. And you don't want to lose because then you have your family members. Not only do they have the trophy for an entire year, they rub it in your face for an entire year.
2: You know, when the pressure got to Tiger, he went to Perkins. So let's just be careful with handling (laughs) the pressure here. Okay, Michelle?
3: Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be going to any sort of... (laughs) Perkins, Randy. <laughs>
2: Perkins, Vegas, church parking lots. It didn't matter.
3: Wasn't there another restaurant friendlies? Yeah. Wasn't there a friendlies in the mix?
2: I think there was, yeah. <laughs> so he found some people that were uh willing to relieve the pressure.
3: That they did. <laughs> that they did.
2: So and it'll be Tiger's not playing this weekend, but I believe he's going to uh play the weekend after so we'll see tiger woods sooner rather than later it is michelle and randy Carricker and smallman on 101 espn next up one of the little known talked about aspects of this new proposal by baseball ownership is that we're going to have universal dh and we have probably seen our last pitcher hit we want to know what you think of that and talk about how we got here next on 101 espn Michelle, at The Athletic, within the last hour, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich have put up a new piece talking about the latest baseball negotiations. And one aspect to the article that they put up is that the league offered a universal designated hitter, something the union had sought in the 2011 and 2016 collective bargaining negotiations, and it'll be in place for the next two seasons. In addition, the proposal included a $25 million postseason pool, $33 million in salary relief from the $170 million advance the players received and participation in a $10 million joint fund for social justice. I want to focus here on the Universal DH, which is obviously a big topic of conversation in St. Louis. If you watched Whitey Herzog manage or you watched Tony La manage, you know the advantages that they gleaned from being able to handle their bullpen in such an expert manner. And now... As far as I'm concerned, the DH managing and as a fan following along managing, it's basically a paint-by-numbers game. All you have to do is wait until your pitcher is out of gas and then bring in another guy. If you're playing a 1-1 game in the sixth and your pitcher is dealing, but you have him coming up as the third hitter in the sixth inning or in the seventh inning, do you pinch hit for him? That is... It's one of the things that makes baseball great because we can have logical, fun debates about whether or not the manager did the right thing. I'm sad that that will be, and there's no way it's coming back after the next CBA. No way. I'm sad that that's gone from baseball now.
3: Like you, I am also more of a purist. I tend to lean on the side of of what has happened and and. In- the National League. I really, really like the strategy portion of it, but I've been in the camp for a long time that I think it's insane that the American League and National League are playing by two different sets of rules. And I said, I don't care if it's a universal DH or you remove it from the American League, but we've got to get both sides on the same playing field here. And the more I think about it, while I will miss the strategy aspect, and while I will miss miss seeing guys like Adam Wainwright get up Mm -hmm. there and take a hack at things, I love seeing pitchers hit a home run. I mean, we got Bart tolo cologne hitting a home run yeah rampant. it was awesome it was like awesome.
2: the greatest thing ever to happen in baseball
3: it was but when you think about baseball as a whole we talk about we need an injection of some excitement and if a universal dh is going to bring more offense and potentially more home runs i think they can only help baseball in the long run
2: and i'm intrigued by what people that are tuned in now think and you can text us 65780 the air comfort service text line Are you sad that the designated hitter is going to take over baseball and that we will not see not only the pitchers hitting anymore, and I'm on board with pitchers not hitting. That's not the aspect of it that I care about. The, the, The aspect that I care about is that... That's what makes baseball the ultimate thinking person's game. Mm -hmm. And Tony always used to love to have people manage along with him and then discuss it afterwards and talk about why he didn't or did pinch hit in a particular situation. And Tony... Told me one time when I second guessed him, he said, that's the greatest thing about baseball is that you can second guess me and we can both have a really good point. There's nobody that's right about it, but it it makes it wonderful because you're always thinking about what's going to happen next in the game. And that takes away a huge part of that for me.
3: Yeah, it does. But it also uh, allows more opportunities for a certain caliber of player to extend their career. Mm-hmm, I no mean, doubt. you look at a guy like Albert Poules, everybody said he's definitely going to the Angels because he knows that he's going to be the DH. He can extend his career there, it won't be as taxing for him, etc. So... There, there's a great debate on either side, but I'm just glad that after talking about, is this going to, or are we going to get a universal DH for so long that it seems like we're finally nearing a resolution on this one?
2: And I don't think the Cardinals would take the Libertor trade back because he's a great prospect. But Jose Martinez. Would yes. be a great D. Well, as a as a fielder, he makes a great DH. Yeah, yes,
3: he it does. It's <laughs> a great way to put it, Randy.
2: We had Robert Flores from MLB Network on the show earlier, and he is pretty staunch in his belief about the rule.
0: I'm in favor of it. I, I mean. For the most part, you know, maybe if it's Madison Bumgarner or something like that, I, I, I don't need to see pitchers hit. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't need to see them up there flailing away. Just like I normally would not want to see punters or kickers run the ball. I, I, I don't need to see it. Okay, it's not, it's not what you do. You don't practice it. You're not good at it. I've been in favor of the universal DH for for a while now. Put, I, I just think it's ridiculous that that you have teams playing each other throughout the regular season and one league plays by different rules. I didn't like it to begin with, so let's just get the universal DH.
2: And we are going to. And we have tons of texts, and we do appreciate your texts on the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. Michelle, this one from the 573. The DH in the National League made National League Baseball unique. It will lose that. Yes, it was two sets of rules, but it was what made the World Series different from the Stanley Cup final. Home field truly meant something with the DH rule.
3: That is a good point.
2: Although the Red Sox played Big Poppy at first, and Mm -hmm. he... Well, if you keep pitching to him, he's going to hit. Keep hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, one of the which is ast- exactly
3: what the Cardinals did. It did happen. Yeah,
2: and uh, here's a, another good one. And you referenced Bartolo Colon from the six three six. What about the surprise of a pitcher hitting out of, out of the ballpark? Everybody went bananas when Colon hit that home run.
3: What was the the call? This might be the greatest thing we've ever seen <laughs> yeah, in history, history of baseball. Yeah. But while that moment is so spectacular, how often does it happen?
2: Yeah, not. Often enough, but a couple of years ago, and maybe Mike Schilt will still use Adam Wainwright as a pinch hitter. Couple, probably not, because there is a DH, and you don't need pinch hitters anymore. But a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh in a game, Adam Wainwright came up and pinch hit with runners on and hit a bases clearing double as a pinch hitter. It was awesome. And now Adam Wainwright doesn't have to pinch hit for a pitcher anymore because you've you've got your lineup in there. Whoever starts the game as the starting nine hitters, they're going to end the game as the starting nine hitters.
3: And I'm seeing a lot of texts here about what you referenced in debating strategy. We have a text from the through and four. unfortunately, it seems like debating strategy between fans is pretty non-existent at this point. Most fans just want to watch the game, see the outcome and move on to the next thing in their life. Do you think that that's true? Yeah,
2: I I think that's part of it. I think it's
3: true, too. Well, we love that because it's what we grew up watching, and it's part of our baseball experience here in St. Louis. I think the general baseball fan, to the texter's point, isn't debating strategy the way we would. We're consuming so many things on a nightly basis that those kind of debates aren't as prevalent as they used to be.
2: And that just in terms of being a fan, people don't clap anymore because they've got their phone in their hands.
3: That's a good point.
2: We don't, the crowds aren't nearly as loud as they used to be because you can't clap when you've got your phone in your hands. And that part of it has changed too. But uh, to the point of the DH, if you're down and looking at Instagram, you aren't thinking about, okay, we've got the number eight hitter up here. It's a 1-1 game in the sixth. What are we going to do? Are we going to let our pitcher who has allowed two hits and one run hit and keep him in the game because he's been dominant or are we going to pinch hit for him?
3: I wonder how many people at any given time that are in the stands don't even know the score of the game. I think it happens a lot. I think it happens a lot, too. And if your baseball... While you might be clinging on to the things that worked for you in the past, you have to evolve. You have to evolve based on your consumer. And that's what I think has been part of baseball's problem, is they're trying to find ways to make the game more entertaining. And if this works, even on some level, I think it's a win for baseball.
2: And along those lines, we get a text from the 615, evolve or die. There you go. Go DH. And baseball might even do that even with the DH, but they they obviously are trying to evolve and make the sport, like every other rules change in every other sport, they are trying to make it a sport where offense takes precedence. And one thing the DH will do, definitely, is have teams score more runs.
3: And hopefully, people will pay more attention.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. A couple more of your texts from the 314. The NL is the only baseball league that does, does not offer a DH. The only league. Doesn't make sense to me. And... We talked about oh, it was Marquis the other day. Said I like being a baseball player. Yeah. I'm, I'm not defined by one thing. I, I liked being a, an overall player. And there's a lot of athletes, a lot of pitchers that do like the idea and actually do work on hitting. They, they like the idea of being more than just a pitcher. They want to be a player.
3: But to the Texter's point, if you're a prospect and, and in your entire baseball career, this hasn't been something that you need to be focused on. It, it's You're not going to get the best product once you get up there.
2: And the Cardinals took a guy in this draft that is both a hitter and a pitcher, and they decided to take him as both. And that's becoming more prevalent. I would think that, that might the, those situations of needing that player might be mitigated now by the 26 and probably later 27-man rosters that teams are going to have. But uh, there are players out there, high school players and some college players, that not only like to play the field, but they, they can pitch, too. And some guys can do both. And if you have a starting pitcher, it like Madison Bumgarner. Roflow brought up Madison Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer that we're never going to get a chance to see. The guy has hit multiple home runs off of Clayton Kershaw. It's a bummer that we aren't going to be able to see him hit it
3: anymore. Yeah, it really is. But,
2: hey, whatever. Uh, and by the way, this is a. Uh, we, we talked about Jason Marquis and being a hitter. This is what he had to say to us the other day about the, the DH in the National League.
1: Well, you know, my, you don't even have to ask me that question. You know, <laughs> I don't like that answer. I mean, I love being part of the game in every man. I love being in the box. I love pinch running. I just feel like I'm a baseball player instead of just a one dimensional skilled pitcher. You know, I, I enjoy that part of the game, getting the box. It keeps me more engaged, even on non. Pitching days, I'm engaged.
2: And I know Waino feels that way. I know Danny Cox was really proud of being able to play the whole game and being engaged in the whole game. So those players, it's going to be a bummer for, but just work harder on your pitching, I guess. I guess. Focus more. <laughs> I, will, will Flaherty have to pinch run anymore?
3: Mm, no.
2: <laughs> so he won't get thrown out at second? to mm, no. At t- end the game? Okay. <laughs>
3: No, do we have to go there, Randy? I'm just saying. Do we have to go there? <laughs>
2: that was so sad. I, mean, <laughs> I felt so bad for the guy. Didn't you feel bad? That he, remember when he stayed out there after, like, for a minute and a half after the game was over?
3: I still sometimes think about Colton Wong getting thrown out in the World Series,
2: oh, last out of the World Series, getting picked off. That so
3: I sometimes still just cl- see his face, how sad he was, and he
2: was a rookie.
3: It was. It was. It broke my heart to see him. And, you know, to hear him talk about having to get over that was really hard. But when we talk about people getting thrown out in heartbreaking situations, I always think about that.
2: And Colton, and and I know Colton listens because he's here in St. Louis and listens every day. Yeah, big fan. You may have been picked off to, to end a World Series game but you were not the one who decided to keep pitching to Big Poppy.
3: No, you were not. That was not your fault, Colton. We do not blame you. You may have been the last thing we saw, but you're not the thing we remember. Don't forget that.
2: That is Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, our Blues Insider, will join us next on 101 ESPN.
0: That was the character and Smallman podcast
2: on 101 ESPN.